We're your health and safety angels, Daisy Silcock and Lindsay Mason. Health and safety, busting the barriers. So we're back with episode four, and today it's one of my favourites. We're going to be talking about what the law actually is. Is that the right way to say it, Daisy? Yes, but more importantly, we're sat in the same room. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was worried. I was worried. What are you going to throw at me then? Oh my god, I'm not ready. I'm We're not ready. in the same room. And, and how long does it take you to get here? Um, it was like five hours. So there's a lot of effort gone in from Daisy's point of view today. It and was it... worth every fuel-soaked moment. <laughs> it is weird being in this situation because now we're looking at each it's other. It's also Maybe weird we because, like, it, yeah, yeah. You're not being on a screen and hearing your voice in real person time. But you're, our eyes have to look now. I know, yeah, I have you to can't... look at you. <laughs> God, seriously. Maybe this should be in the, uh, you know, you know the outtakes bit, this bit. Do you think? No. Okay, we don't need, to... oh no, what did you call them, takeouts? Takeouts, the takeout section. <laughs> if you listen to 3.1, you'll know what we're talking about. So yes, so we're together and we are talking about what, the law actually is yep. how it works um and we are going right back to the basics this is not designed for someone that already knows how it works yeah. this is designed for people that really need to get their head around what everything actually means Ooh, can i just say that since um since we last recorded i actually had some feedback from a podcaster did you yes oh. he does sports podcasting but he's a podcaster so yeah, there yeah. You go. and he said um that he found it really interesting because there was no big words <gasps> the thing that you always shout at me for yeah yeah words like cited yeah yes does that mean you wrote something down no cited it you, like you... it stated yeah he said now i'm confusing you have you, you look confused, confused. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm not designed for well, big If I say, if I say something is cited in law, it means like written mm. in law. I don't know. Okay. Maybe just when you get into this role, you have to start using weird language. Do you though? Do you have to? Maybe, or is it just... Maybe that's because obviously like maybe when I started, I felt I had to do that maybe. and use the fancy words so that I didn't get that kind of... You know, we spoke about last time we talked about imposter syndrome. Yes. <laughs> so maybe... I did that to kind of cover my imposter syndrome. Maybe. Well, you, I, I can't remember what episode it was now, but I said I would turn up on site and this guy used this really big word. And, and yeah. I said, what does that mean? Yeah. I didn't. I don't know if I actually said. He didn't respond. Oh, did he not? No, he didn't respond because most likely he didn't know how to tell me what it meant. But people I use find that, these words. I find that sometimes when you go on site or business or wherever it is and people use abbreviations. Oh, yeah. And you go, oh, sorry, I don't know what that means. And they go, because it's just built into your yeah. everyday language yeah. at work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially with places like, you know, like military. They have an abbreviation for an abbreviation. Right. So you're sometimes like, what does that actually mean? Don't know. Couldn't we just tell. know what the abbreviation kind of refers to. But but yeah, so we're going to hopefully break this down. And Lindsay has the most amazing way of breaking this down. I'm glad you agree, because I think it's amazing. I love it. But because when you deliver training, you're not training other health and safety people mm. so the only people that ever get to see my analogy mm. is people that are new to it so you never really know if 
someone else thinks that's a good idea. So I think that's great that you that you like it. Well, well what the, the test of this will be is that suddenly then, you know, sort of six months down the line, we go on to like social media platforms and we see loads of trainers yes. with said animal right. that you're going to talk about. Because it, be, it could be something that people go, never really thought about that. Yeah. So the way I picture it, and I made, the, I don't know why I made it up. Um, I think it's because I struggle to pick things up myself and so I'm always looking at ways I can really make it clear to people how, what what we're thinking or talking about so um mine is a health and safety jellyfish love it everybody knows what a jellyfish looks like right if you don't google jellyfish you can have a look but the structure itself can I just tell you something yeah go on. you know how I know lots of useless information you know you know facts that's not useless well no facts. this is useless oh okay uh, the pee thing when you've been stung by a jellyfish oh yeah no doesn't oh, work oh really just stay in salt water Oh. So I remember once going swimming and a couple of summers ago here in the UK and got stung seven times and I just stayed in the water and eventually it kind of washed away the sting. You didn't try the pee thing. I didn't try and get random strangers to pee on me. So if you Googled it and it is a fact, it doesn't work. Yeah, apparently that's not true at apparently. all. Apparently. But this is what well, we do, well, isn't well, it? No. We, <laughs> we take someone else's thing and they go, oh, did you know that so-and-so, so-and-so did a headstand for, for five hours uh, and wasn't affected? And we go, really? That's amazing. But we don't ever really check it out. I don't know if anyone's ever actually checked it out. Okay, right, listeners. And that's only if people are old enough to have watched that programme. If you have successfully peed on somebody when they've been stung by a jellyfish and it's actually removed the sting, Please drop us a message. That would be amazing. Yeah, we'd really like to know. Or if you're just somebody who like knows these things and knows, no, that is absolute nonsense. But, but can tell me why it's nonsense. So they could actually you see, say... see, I thought it, it was something to do with ammonia. Yeah. Well, that's I in your wee. Would counteract the sting. Yeah. Is what I really How on think. earth have we... Anyway, this is all your fault and your jellyfish's fault. So no one can see me holding my jellyfish. I actually have an actual <laughs> jellyfish toy that I take to classroom courses. Um, because I do virtual and classrooms. So if you're lucky enough to have a classroom, you get to meet the actual jellyfish. But the concept is, if you picture a jellyfish, the jellyfish has its big body at the top, right? Floats mm -hmm. on the water. I'm doing the floaty jiggle now. I know no one can see me doing She is jiggling jiggle. in front of me. So you've got your jellyfish body. That's the main part of the jellyfish, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, the, it's the brain. It's the... the, the uh, I'm using too many words now. It's the brain of the jellyfish as such. Although I don't know if jellyfish have brain. Somebody might pick me up on that. But anyway, you've got the jellyfish body at the top. It's the it's the main part of the jellyfish. Yeah. But underneath the body, you've got all the tentacles. Mm -hmm. I always picture mine a bit glittery and sparkly. People are, uh, listening to the podcast can picture their tentacles however they wish. <laughs> but each tentacle is attached to the jellyfish. Yes. It's part of the jellyfish. Mm -hmm. So that's what I use to describe how the law works when it comes to health and safety. Okay. So we have the... Big Boss, the ultimate Health and Safety at Work Act 1974, which we will discuss in more detail when we get to it. But underneath the Health and Safety at Work Act, there's lots of tentacles. And each tentacle relates to a specific hazard. So something that can harm you or a way of making sure health and safety functions. So each tentacle is associated to the body. Mm -hmm. And just to finish it off so that you can talk as well. The Health and Safety at Work Act, to me, tells people 
you've got to keep people safe. Yeah. Yes, the, the basic overview, you've got to keep people safe. If I went tomorrow and started uh, a business and employed a few people, I've automatically got to comply with keeping people safe. Mm -hmm. That's a massive ask. Yeah. And it's really difficult to automatically know what you're supposed to do. So these individual tentacles yeah. are telling me if you work with chemicals. Yeah. This is how you keep people safe. So the tentacles are what we call regulations. Yes, did I not say that? No. I was getting too careful. That's right. So those are the regulations. Yes. So your main body is the act. Yes. And then the tentacles are the other regulations. And they're things like cost regulations and DSE regulations. Give and me some more. PPE regulations, asbestos regulations. How many would you like? <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> so, and the great thing about when the Health and Safety at Work Act came out, uh, 1974, um, prior to that, there were, I think now, don't quote me on this, but I think connected to workplace health and safety, there was about nine acts okay. and about 500 regulations that in some way all mentioned safety. So that then when this came out in 1974, it drew all that together, tidied it, created up. one act for every type of industry. And so it just neatened it off a little bit, you know, um, for everything in one place, hopefully making it a little bit easier. And of course, with the legislation, they also created the 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 the, the role that we all know of, which is the health and safety executive as well. So that was when they started effectively at the same, you know, around the same time as the act came came into play. So you've got the Health and Safety at Work Act, which is jellyfish body, yeah. says you've got to keep people safe. You've got your tentacles, which sit underneath, which we call regulations. Yeah. They relate to specific things that you need to comply with to keep people safe. Mm -hmm. And the health and safety executive are the people that keep a check on businesses to make sure that everybody's doing now, what they're supposed to do. Often people r refer to them as the health and safety, like like the police, because they're an enforcing authority like the police are. But you don't like people calling them the safety police, do you? No, absolutely Why not? not? Why don't you? Because most people do refer to them as the sort of police of health and safety. Because I think that they are there, or I know that they're there, to make sure we all know what we're doing. Mm. But because they are also the people that will come into your workplace and go, hang on a second, what you're doing is not right. And unfortunately, we're going to hit you with some fines or we're going to hit you with some uh, rules that say you can't open until you've sorted something out. Mm. People see that as a negative. Yeah. But actually, as another example, if I'm on the motorway and it's a 70 mile an hour limit and I'm doing 90, there's far more chance of me hurting someone at doing 90 than at 70. And the police are there to catch those people. Mm. The health and safety executive have to do the same. Mm. If you comply with the rules, they're not going to do anything to yeah, you. But you see, I think this is a bit of a misconception of the police as well, isn't it? Because we just think of police as like, you know, I mean, if, if I said to my son who's seven, what did the police do? He'd say something like, catch the bad guys. Yeah. You know, but actually, if you speak to the vast majority of police officers, they're not just there to enforce the law. Right. You know, they're there to create a safe environment for us all to live in. And that's safe in all aspects as well. So, you know, that they are, it's, it's, 
they're, they're there as a, you know, if you see a police car, for example, like today, you know, driving down a motor, obviously I've seen a few traffic cops and police cars and stuff. And you know that they're there because suddenly everybody's driving as they should right. be. You always know. You do. And what that does is it, they're making it that by the, by their presence being there, we are now well staying within the law then. Which is there so for a reason. So they're keeping us within the law. They'll also punish us if we go outside of the law. Right. And that's what the HSE do. But we're going to, I mean, we're, we're kind of slightly getting off topic because we're going to talk about the HSE and all their glory yes. um, in a, another episode, I'm sure, at some point as well. So then underneath, we've got our yeah, jellyfish back to body. The jellyfish. Yeah, we'll go back to jellyfish. Yeah. So we've got the jellyfish body. That's the bit that Can says... Can I ask you a question? Does your jellyfish have a name? No. Oh, we should name it something. Come on, it needs a name. It'd have to be something to do with yeah. legislation and someone yeah. that's created like it. Safety Cedric or something. No, I was thinking okay, like right, there must be someone that created all of this. Well, your your main guy who sometimes is kind of is 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 Lord Rubens. Ooh. She could call him Lord Rubens. You could call him Reuben. Yeah, Reuben. Reuben the jellyfish. No, but then <laughs> Reuben the jellyfish. Maybe. Mull on it. Yeah, I will. I shall. I shall uh, take some time to think about yeah. it. Just explaining what mole meant there. Anyway, so you got your jellyfish body. That's the bit that says if you run a business, you've got to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. You've got your tentacles that sit underneath it. Your regulations, which are individual laws that are there to help you to do the right thing with specific things. Mm. But underneath that, we've so got a some, third layer. There is a third layer. Now. I call them instructions. They're actually called guidance documents. Okay. But the way I explain this is been to Ikea? Yes. Oh, I don't like it, but yes. Okay. Whether you like it or not is a different thing. Anxiety. But we we go to Ikea and we walk around for ages and we find the thing we want. We manage to get it into the car, which (laughs) is the biggest problem. Then you get home. If you were to suddenly rip open those brown cardboard boxes Mm -hmm. and just try and put it together yourself... You would never end up with a perfect bookcase. It will always yeah. be wonky or be bits missing. And you'd end up with like a load of bits you haven't Absolutely. used. Or, yes. or you put the screw and realise it's the wrong screw, but the mm. right screw is actually smaller. But yeah. now you've made the chipboard bigger. And it's just a disaster. Mm. You're never going to never get the result that you want. Yeah. But if you get home with your IKEA package yeah. and you open that package, lay out the pieces and follow your IKEA instructions step by step, you will most likely end up with a perfect bookcase. Most likely, because there's yeah. still a chance that it can go wrong. Yeah. But if you follow those instructions step by step, it's going to guide you to hopefully a decent finished project, product. Yeah. So we have IKEA instructions for the law. Every single regulation comes with its own instructions. Okay. And those instructions are written in much more comprehensible language people are going to know what it actually means because if you open up the law and have a read whether you enjoy it or not it's big words Mm. and not everyone's going to understand it so these instructions will help you to comply with the law right okay okay yes you like that Ikea yes yes definitely so um your instructions are your 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 guidance and they are written they're provided to us by the health and safety executive yeah yeah. totally free if you want to download them or you can buy your own 
hard copies. Do you have any hard copies? No, because they change them. Oh. I always say to people, don't buy them, just PDF download them. Yeah. Because then if, why, if you bought some? I you? bought a couple. Oh. I've bought a couple just because I like to show them somewhere. No, they're in my training kit. Okay. I've got no, I, yeah, I just, because, because they get updated all the time, I always say to people, don't bother buying them, you know. Just download the PDF. That is true. You know. But then when you work for yourself and you've got to print them off yourself, it's quite expensive. It's actually cheaper to buy the hard copies well, than it is to print. Potentially. But then who's actually, who's, I just get to the right bit, you see, and find the right bit and, you know. So, but then there's three levels of instructions. Oh, okay. Is this like for people who really know how to build the IKEA and people who don't really know how to build the IKEA and... Different levels of instructions. So. We've got our ACOPS, Approved Codes of Practice, our HSG documents, Health and Safety Guidance, and our INDG documents, which are Industry Guidance. So you've got those three different types that do different things. You want to take over? Right. So we've got, I mean, we call them ACOPS, don't they? A C O P S. Which is a is a acronym. Yes. 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 I, never, I always get abbreviation and acronym wrong. So it's an acronym. It's an acronym. Um, which stands for Approved Codes of Practice. Yes. Yeah. And so these are an agreed way of managing certain workplace hazards, tasks, etc. And when I say approved, these are approved by both the HSC and the government as well. Mm -hmm. So um, they have what we call semi-legal status. So the Act, the main bulk of the jellyfish and the little tentacle legs, the regulations, they are both full legal compliance is required. So the Health and Safety at Work Act applies to every single organization and there's 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 kind of more to it and we will break that down everything that we talk about we are going to eventually break down into smaller chunks so if you're still sat here with a little slightly kind of confused look on your face don't worry there will be other episodes that will break it down into tiny little chunks bite-sized pieces and you can just pick up which pieces you need to you know right. listen to which is uh, the, co- the concept of what we're doing anyway yes although i know everyone wants to listen to every episode because we're just so engaging. They don't have to. They can pick up the pieces they want to hear. Yes, we're so modest as well. <laughs> <laughs> so the Health and Safety at Work Act, everybody's got to comply with that. So that's a general. And then as far as the regulations concerned, the only one that I would say absolutely every employer would have to apply to uh, um, um, uh, comply with is the Management of Health and Safety at Work regulations. There is some workplace regulations as well, but obviously not every place, not every employer necessarily has a static place of work. So 99.9% would would need to comply with that as well, but there might be a tiny sort of percentage out there that wouldn't necessarily. Um, And then there's other regulations as well, which will kind of talk about things like um, following accidents and so on as we go through. But those are kind of the main ones, as it were, because we're hoping, of course, that no one ever has to report accidents. Hopefully that would be good, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, and then you've got your others, your COSH, your noise regulations, things like your provision and use of work equipment regulations, asbestos regulations, etc. So what, which, we're, what if we're saying is if you 
if you have to comply with cost for example yeah. when we say it's got full legal status we mean if you don't comply you can get in trouble yes. with the law yes and those ones like i've just mentioned those examples those are examples of ones that would only be specific if you were for example handling or using chemicals so the cost would apply working in noisy working environments with noisy equipment etc and the noise regulations would apply if you were working with asbestos or potentially coming into contact with asbestos then the asbestos regulations comply so then it kind of deviates off path a little bit but with all of these they have this full legal status as you say yeah. which means that we have to follow what it says the reason why we have things like the approved codes of practice and the guidance and so on is because they're not the most descriptive of documents. Some are, some are very specific, but others not so much. Mm -hmm. And that's why the guidance, as Lindsay talked about before, if you follow the guide that says this, you'll be able to build that shelf, as she gave the analogy with the IKEA analogy. Um, so we've got the approved codes of practice, which have semi-legal status. What that means is that they could be cited in a case against an employer or self-employed person or something like that, uh, as saying, well, you didn't comply with the approved code of practice. Now, on its own, if you didn't comply with the approved code of practice, it wouldn't be a big issue. But it's if it then connects with a regulation or an act and you're not complying with that, it then obviously has that kind of so then under that yeah we have two other ones which are hsg and indg they're just like library codes right it's just to help us to to code up books so you have hsg 53 for example and indg 401 for example they are instructions that are solely just guidance yeah like instructionary only yeah, yeah. i always say if you don't comply you're not going to be prosecuted for not complying. Mm -hmm. But no one likes drama, right? Mm. We've all had drama in our lives. Don't need any drama. Don't need extra drama. So if I've got a booklet, an, an IKEA instruction that says to me, this is what we suggest you do. You don't have to do it, but we suggest that you do it. Why would you not? Yeah. Yeah, why would you not go? It'd be like, actually, put, it'd be, it'd be like trying to put a jigsaw together without looking at the picture. Yeah, it's I mean, there for yeah, you. Just, I mean, I, I say the same. If, if, the, if the guidance says, you know, I don't know, get buy this or use this or have this or do it this way, the guidance is written by the HSC. Those are the people that are there coming in and looking if you're doing the right thing. Right. Why not just follow what they've suggested? I know it just why. makes life easier, doesn't it? I, absolutely. And I know why. It's because people don't know they exist. Yeah. Uh, even even having the instructions, you know, I know plenty of people that are not going to go on the computer, go to the HSE website, download the guidance documents, sit and read it on a Friday night with a glass of wine like I did with my first ever guidance document I read. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> I remember it very clearly. Um, and so this is why partly the inspiration for this podcast came around because we're all different thank god because if we're all the same it'd be very weird mm. and so we do need to realize that people do need additional ways to understand this stuff yeah. just writing a document and making it available online doesn't mean that everybody automatically has an understanding of it or comprehension yeah and i think that 
from my experience, even when you do look at guidance, I can't remember if it was a guidance document or it could have been a, a, an ACOP, but I remember having to look at one in relation to swimming pools. Okay. And it was something like 171 pages. Oh, my gosh. So hence why, you know, it, it, it yeah, you're kind of giving up the will to live, you know, a bit, yeah. especially if the language you're not au fait with. And it, yeah, it can be really, really tough, even for somebody who likes reading guidance. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get bored very easily. You know. But what about the people that, that struggle to read? What about mm. the people that don't enjoy reading? I have two children, one who I can't keep out of a very well-known bookstore and cost me an absolute fortune mm. because all she wants to do is buy books and read them. Yeah. Then have another child that would only use a book to keep warm on a camping trip. <laughs> uh, yes. Absolutely. Love and it. so, but he will, he will most likely go and start his own business in the future. Mm. He's not going to sit and read the guidance documents no, because you won't even read a magazine. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think also there's a, as you say, there's a basic level of comprehension that's needed just to be able to pick it up and start reading it. Yeah. And also, you know, things like migrant workers, those who yeah. are not first language English, which we have, you know, millions of people in the UK who have their own businesses and are employers who might be put off because, whoa, I've got a public swimming baths and I'm, do I have to read this document? Whoa, I don't even know where to start. Well, oh, I won't bother then. Think about language. My ex-husband um, didn't speak English when he first arrived here. Um, and he learned English through conversation, mm. not through studying. And mm. so you, you can be fluent in English and actually not be very good at grammar yeah, and spelling. Um, so I think we have to, we've got to appreciate that. I think as society, we actually need to appreciate people a bit more and, and realise not everyone functions the same way. It's a bit like health and safety consultant saying, oh, I can't believe this person's not reading guidance. You're running a business. Why would you not read the guidance? Because actually not everyone functions that way. No, and that's one of the things, again, that's sort of coming into safety now and the awareness of, you know, sort of people being more aware of those who are, you know, more neurologically diverse and and that not everything is is standardised and not everybody understands things exactly the same way and absorbs information the same way. So, no, I agree. And that's um, why we deliver training, because we can be a little bit different, right? She says, holding her jellyfish. Yeah. Who I'm might, stroking my might jellyfish. be called... Oh, God. Reuben. He might be called Reuben. He is called Reuben now. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So... Um, so let's just summarise. Let's yes. just have a recap yes. then. So your top of your jellyfish, that is our Health and Safety at Work Act, yep. 1974. Um, it's the main bit that we all have to, to follow and comply with. And ultimately it says you've got to keep people safe. Yeah. And then underneath that, we have the little danglies, the tentacles, and that those are all the regulations, which would be relevant certain regulations would be relevant to whatever job or task or industry that you work in those also have to be complied with right and if you comply with that ultimately you'll be keeping people safe yeah. hence why it's attached to the body good yes yeah? and then to support that to help you interpret what really those things require that's when the hse have done a lot of the hard work for us they produce the approved codes of practice they produced the the guidance and as well as industry specific guidance as well so with those last two with the guidance and the industry specific guidance you can uh, if you like to 
comply with those and do what it says, or you can do something to the same level as, you right. know, you know, you can, you can say, well, I don't, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to do this. Now, what happens though, if we just go, I'm going to ignore everything. Well, ultimately people are going to be hurt. People will still be hurt. Even if you comply, I'm not saying you have to comply for people. If you comply, no one will ever get hurt. That doesn't happen. But the health and safety executive are not only there to support us and give us guidance, they are there to turn up and go, actually, you're not doing what you're supposed mm. to do and enforce the law. Mm. And rightly so. Because if everyone just did whatever they wanted to do, we'd be talking about a hell of a lot more fatalities and life-changing injuries and injuries. Because it's there, we have one of the best health and safety standards in the world, right? Mm. So we've got the health and safety executive that are going to check on us and make sure that along the way we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. But then also, if something does go wrong, they are there to come in, see whether we did what we should have been doing as much as we could to prevent it. And they could potentially take us to court. And what could, what's what's that likely going to, the unlikely outcome of that? Well, initially a few years back, it would have been a lot of suspended sentences and mm. fines, but the government actually realised that wasn't really much of a deterrent and um, they changed the sentencing guidelines, so the rules that the judges have for, for setting what happens to you, um, and they're giving it a lot more custodial sentences. I didn't want to say that. I wanted to, to, to say... Jail time. Yeah, and prison sentences, but I just yeah. went into... Posh mode there, sorry. No, it's all right. So, yeah, so we can be uh, prosecuted, we can be taken to court, we can end up with time in jail, mm. we can end up with fines, um, which are going to have a massive impact on your life. So just just so, just so to kind of give you a, an idea of what we're talking about here, uh, we're talking about, the, the firstly, the health and safety executive have a fantastic prosecution rate. So they say, get, they send you that letter saying, see you in court chances are i don't know what the latest figure was but it was a sort of over 90 percent i think of the cases that they take to court they are successful with wow that's a i love that they have a really amazing prosecution rate and um the latest statistics that i have because i'm the a bit of a stats person i love it thank god one of us is 61 percent of the successful prosecutions resulted in fines okay Okay, ten um, percent prison sentences. Wow! So that is increasing. Good. Um, and then you've got things like suspended sentences. So that's where you have, uh, you know, if for example the judge says you've got a two-year suspended sentence, that means effectively if you do anything else within a given period of time which connects with that original prosecution that two years would potentially be added on to whatever additional time you might get following you know another prosecution there's also things like what what i would call community service orders so going out into the community and giving back and you know picking up litter and that sort of stuff. Is there much of that that actually goes on, though? Like, little, we talk about little it. Little bits. It... You, you do, because I sometimes will go onto the HSE website and actually you can go on there and you can see all the prosecutions, all the, 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 the cases that have been uh, successfully prosecuted, and you can see the outcomes. And when you see individuals being prosecuted, whether they're directors or employees or whoever it is, sometimes you will see community orders being given 
I feel like we should we should be doing more of that but that's a whole again another podcast that's just me talking sorry um and then you'll you'll um you'll there there are other things that judges can also do so you know to businesses pending what they're prosecuting you under things like publicity orders so actually force you to tell the wider public what you've done wrong and what you're going to do to put it right so the name and shame aspect of it um and even we've had things like directors being disqualified from being allowed to be directors of organizations which obviously could just shut your business down yeah right um but hopefully also protect other people because we don't particularly want you as a director of a business with power over people if you're not going to comply yes so there's one last thing that i think is important that we talk about if somebody gets hurt The health and safety executive can come in, investigate, potentially take you to court. But do they just come in and see you after someone's been hurt? No. And actually, when it it comes to court sentencing, if I say it's irrelevant whether someone's been hurt or not, that sounds a bit callous. But technically, as far as the the sentencing uh, guidelines say, it's based on the worst case scenario as opposed to what actually happened. So you might have had an accident where somebody had a minor injury, but say, for example, a forklift truck lost its load and maybe somebody got a sort of, I don't know, a broken foot. But technically, if they hadn't moved out of, out of the way in time, it could have literally killed them. Right. It's based on what it could have done. And that means that also if nobody was hurt, but it was so serious that the HSC felt that it was necessary and in the public's best interest to bring about that case to court, then it's based on that worst case, that possible worst case scenario. And that's what I think a lot of people aren't aware of as well. That's great. So, you know, they look at if scaffolding collapses and no one's hurt, great fantastic however had that been a busy Saturday afternoon and it's the middle of a shopping center or whatever you know multiple people could be dead gosh yeah so it's based on 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 that which I I think is another great deterrent for businesses and and companies and stuff when they go oh I can't be bothered well you know even if it is only something minor or as you say no injury at all might have really serious repercussions and i think another thing we need to remember is of course it's not just the hse that can that can get involved we have lots of enforcing authorities lots of organizations like police yeah like the fire and rescue service the office of road and rail uh the nuclear regulatory office i can't remember if that's the right name but it's the office for nuclear regulationary stuff not one of the industries i get involved in very often. um your local councils so your environmental health officers as well um if you're in something like care industry you've got the cqc the care quality commission so there's lots of other what we would call enforcing authorities so other organizations that can enforce the law and can bring around prosecutions as well so you know you could come you could have you know the hse investigating you could have the police investigating you so you could actually have multiple people multiple agencies as it were investigating and potentially each of them bring around prosecutions so another reason to get on top of health and safety and start managing it absolutely i need to bring up something else but i also want to say did you change how you word things falling off a forklift because only very recently did someone highlight to me that I say, drop a load. And, 
<laughs> people laughed, and I was like, "What Drop a load. load! What are you laughing at?" And I well, I guess. I say, but you said lost it, lost its load. Did I? I, yeah, thought just, I? I thought I said drop a load. No, actually. I say drop a load, but I didn't realise it sounded gross. So well, when you said no, that, that's like, oh. not doesn't sound gross. It's other people's minds. Okay, true. Then. Okay, so what about if um, I'm not really interested in health and safety management? It costs me loads of money. I can't bother to deal with it. And the health and safety executive, uh, one of their officers is uh, having a little walk around the town and thinks, oh, look, Lindsay's got a business there. I'll just pop in and have mm-hmm. a little check. If they come in to my business and, they, and they're allowed to, which we'll talk in more detail, um, if they come in and go, oh, nothing's actually happened, but what you're doing is really not a good standard. Mm-hmm. And by the fact that you're not doing it means that someone could actually seriously get hurt. No one's mm-hmm. been hurt, but what I can see that you're doing is really not up to standard. Can I get in trouble? Yeah, absolutely. Good. I mean, this. I, I remember going to a scrap metal yard once. And they were obviously scrap metal processing and they had old cars and they were siphoning the petrol out of the cars, you know, before they then squashed them into little cubes. Yeah. And the, the, the guy that was actually, I don't know why I laugh. I shouldn't laugh. But it's like <laughs> almost, it's so it's bad. almost like something that you've seen on like you've been framed, you know, I'm sounding old now. Um, but uh, the guy that was actually doing the siphoning, as it were, was there, Please was tell it, me he wasn't. They're smoking. Oh, God. And that's the sort of thing that at that moment in time, no one is being harmed. However, there is serious... would you like to kill everyone? Right. And the whole community gets affected by something like that happening. So yeah. what could happen then? If that's my business and the mm-hmm. health and safety inspector turns up and sees that happening at my business, what could they do? Well, I would say that in something like that, if they saw something like that happening, they would say that you need to stop what you're doing. This activity needs to stop. Excellent. And you need to make it safe. So we have got a a whole episode on that. So I wanted to touch on it so people know it exists, but we're actually going to spend time talking about what those kind of letters are that they send you to stop you doing it Mm -hmm. and and how long and what it's going to cost you and stuff. So... We've had another great episode. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for introducing us to now named Ruben. Yeah. I'm actually going to have to, um, I'm officially calling him Ruben now. I'm going to have a little Google and check just so I can back up my facts because I like to, I like to. Yeah, well, so, so Lord Ruben's, um, it was, some say it's a little bit, um, what's the word? dodge how this ended up happening so which is and and this is me i'm hoping i'm getting the facts right here again i'm sure somebody will be quick to tell me if i'm not you know we should have google able to be checking this stuff no i know but But then it wouldn't be real then it's not natural and i'd just be like reading off a card yeah um so we i think we mentioned i think we did anyway about abba fan did we did we talk about abba fan no i don't think we have have we no, because that's in another episode. Oh, well, then, then shall I save this? Yeah. Save my Abba fan yeah, tale? Yeah. yeah. Not as a tale, I mean, it's a tragedy. Um, but effectively, it, it connects with Abba fan, the disaster. That started all of this. Yes. Um, that was really the, the kind of pusher. And Lord Reuben was connected with Abba fan. Okay. And he then put together a report which came out in 1972 which then led to this 1974 act oh i'm excited for that episode oh yes i I do love the law not because i like people to get in trouble or i want to be 
um, I don't know if I can say that, if I, I want to be a geek that, that is, does everything right, if I genuinely believe it's in it, and that as a, as a world, as a society, we wouldn't be where we are now if we didn't have these rules. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm also a firm believer in, in looking back and reflecting back on what's happened. Yeah. Because the majority of things that have happened in the past still happen to this day, sadly, and we don't seem to learn our lessons. So if I have to keep talking until 2066, you know, 100 years on from the Aberfan disaster to get people to listen, then I'll do it. Absolutely. Um, I was just thinking about one thing I've learned and I have made a difference, and that's drunk texting. That's one lesson I've learned. You know, when you look back, <laughs> I'm just thinking, about, what am I, What would I look back on my life? Is that life? the only lesson? Well, it's probably loads. Don't get married again, blah, blah, blah. But that's one of the biggest ones I say is I, I haven't sent a drunk text in a very long time. Because I look back and oh, think, just too old oh, that's terrible. Are we too old know. for drunk texting? I don't know. Mate, it was harder in the day because when you were drunk and you had to go, eight, 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 one, eight, one, beat, one. beat, 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 beat. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, distracted by snakes. <laughs> anyway, yeah. looking back and making change—that's what this is all about. I've got. To, uh, can I be honest? Yeah. Can I be brutally honest? Yeah. Speeding. What about the one thing that you don't do? Yeah, I don't do it now. Lovely. Um, and I think that was becoming a mum. Oh well, that changes a lot of stuff. I, I I've got to be honest, and I'm being brutally honest. I've had plenty of. I've I've been on two speed awareness courses. I've had multiple points on my license mm-hmm. i was at one point where i was you know three points away from losing it wow and you did a lot of time on the road uh, no excuses and you're right. i used you're to right. go i, I used to because i've got size 10 feet i used to go it's my feet they're, <laughs> they're so big they're, they're not size cloud. 10 they are the size 10 oh, honestly they are she's looking at them now oh, look, i've got a hole in my sock um so yeah oh, wow. and i used to say that used to be my excuse or meeting police officers, I mean, whichever one you want. But, right. um, but yeah, no, so now I've learnt my lesson on that. Okay. Absolutely learnt my lesson on that. Good. Well, that's, that's, um, I think that's the most powerful thing. I definitely, and, I, and I've had... And it's terrible that I actually I had to... No, what makes... I had to become a mum to do that, because, I no. mean, why didn't I care about other... But it's just, I think it's just a... It's part of life. And I think as you, when you're younger, or certainly when I was younger... I wasn't thinking about anyone else. I was only thinking about me. Even when, even when you're older, no one. Uh, one last thing that I will say is, common sense is not a thing in my world. No, you are. All of us are born knowing nothing. Yes, everything you know, you've learned along the way. Now, yeah. if you grow up in a family where speeding is acceptable, and I, how I, are you going to? I have to say, my dad, God rest his soul, my dad was a jag driver. Okay, and he liked going fast. Okay. There you go. You know. But so then you have to you have to then become your own person, go through your own journey to go, actually that's not okay. Yeah, yeah. And I mean I never thankfully I've never hurt anybody and I've learnt the error of my ways. But what 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 you know, I guess the point is is that we always can do better. Right. As human beings. But if we ignore the past, nothing's yeah. ever gonna change. Yeah. yeah. If we if we look back and go, Do you know what? It's not okay that we did that or that people did that. But we can do better. That's the whole point of this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's like a therapy session. Isn't it? And oh. in person. And actually, it's it's more comfortable now. I'm not finding myself staring into your eyes like a 
like I did at the start and then like you have to like go a first date yeah and then you got to go back to Wales and we got to go back to the screen and I know we should we'll have these special episodes every now and then yes we should yeah we will you come up to Wales with your jellyfish yeah well I won't bring the jellyfish I might bring the work at hype monkey oh well okay, <laughs> hey, hey. name suggestions for that one then please we are off to um have a glass of water together <laughs> That's what she calls it. Yes. And uh, we'll see you on our next episode. Take care, everybody. Bye.